Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there guys, what is going on? Daniel Childs back here again for another show. Now, we are celebrating Christmas, but Chelsea, as we know, each year, Premier League fixtures continue to go on. And we've got over the annoyance of a Christmas Eve fixture, but luckily no Boxing Day fixture this year. On the 27th, Chelsea are at home to Crystal Palace in the Premier League. I'm very glad to say I've been joined by a great Palace commentator, comedian Jim Daly, who is um, part of the Five Year Plan podcast. And uh, Jim, how are you doing? I'm very good, uh, Daniel. Good to talk to you. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you as well. Not Hopefully not too much of a Merry Christmas for Crystal Palace, but, you know, um, at Stamford Bridge, but definitely shared the uh, the Christmas uh, festivities. I think the best place to start, it was interesting, um, and full disclosure, people, not that surprising. We are recording this in advance of Christmas because, as, as you can probably imagine, we're all quite busy over the Christmas period. And Although um, you've got, I, you've got, you've gone for a Christmassy background, loving the tree. I'm less Christmassy. This is my daughter's bedroom, hence, not my bedroom, just want to point out, hence the rainbows. So I, you've made more of an effort than I have in terms of Christmas. Yeah, but it, but it, is, it is still cheery that's you can get away <laughs> yeah, it's still cheery it um and to be honest with Chelsea you know I, I'm kind of the cheery background doesn't quite reflect Chelsea at the current point so I'm I'm trying to sort of uh, comfort myself with what's going on um I, I think the best place to start is it was interesting watching the Brighton game um and seeing a game that it's Brighton I'm sorry Crystal Palace could have won that game at least 2-0 um and just seeing how that structure and that defensive approach that Roy Hodgson has been so famed for looks to still be very effective in the Premier League. Of course, another really good result at Yeti had. How has life been under Roy Hodgson this time around, especially he came in last season? There was a lot of kind of controversy and backlash to, at least from outsiders, to Vieira being sacked. But is life good? Is life bad? How, how do you find it with, with Hodgson once again in the dugout at Selhurst Park? Well, full disclosure, I'm a huge Roy Hodgson fan uh, and have been for a long time, even before he joined Palace, really. Thought he got a bit of a rough time at England and, and Liverpool, but pretty much done everywhere. Done well everywhere that's a sort of Palace-like club, Fulham and, and West Brom, and obviously great on 
the continent and my earbuds falling out um which is which is again like palace isn't it so it looks like a good start but it, it unravels after a few seconds i will say that brighton game it's the fifth season in a row that brighton palace at sellers has finished one all so i think we we could have all just not played the game we could have all just taken the one all and gone home i really think that was a waste of everyone's time um you're right though i think from the outside in it's pretty clear to see how roy approaches games he's talked very openly about that and when he came back in april was it this year after a year and a half of Vieira trying a different approach I think we all knew exactly what was going to happen, which was back to basics and, and back to sort of two banks of four. And, and Palace needed that, really, because they they were sort of sliding off a cliff, really. Um, I'm going to give up on this here piece. Let's try the other one. Hopefully that one works as well. Uh, this is Christmas, guys. Um, but I think the thing with Roy is you, can't, you kind of compromise. You compromise safety in the Premier League and going through a season. And it's the first when he was back this year and really in the previous few seasons before he left. It's the first time I've ever really been felt quite confident as a Palace fan, or at least not scared of getting relegated. And I've been supporting Palace a long time and every other season I've been in the Premier League, we've just almost accepted a relegation fight. So um yeah, I think but but with that you're gonna you're gonna compromise or trade that off against maybe less attractive football. But no other Premier no other manager has kept in the Premier League. Uh, as many as many years as Roy has, I think he will this year. Even though we've had a bit of a, a tough run, and obviously coming into the fixture of you guys has been it's been a nightmare. A couple of couple of runs of fixtures, but as you said, the draws against Brighton and City, I think, prove that if we're in games, we can get points. So look, it's not the sexiest football in the world. And for a year under Vieira, it was it was fantastic. But we've seen so many teams try and do that, and it's not worked out. And they've got relegated. At least with Palace, they sort of know when to pull the trigger and when to go back to basics. And every time we do that, and it happened after DeBoer with Allardyce, after Pardew with, with, um, with, oh no, after Pardew with Allardyce, I apologise, and then after Frank DeBoer with Roy, every time we go back to basics, um, we do stay up. So who knows what the future holds for Roy, but, but there are, and, there, and you're right, there was controversy when Vieira left and, and because people liked the direction that was going, but it, it, it wasn't working. And you have to look at, I mean, we'll come on to Eberechieze in a bit, but he was floundering under Vieira. wasn't really getting game time. When he was, he looked like a sort of lost little boy. Roy came in, and literally two weeks later, he's he's the archetype of the um, the 5-1 win at Leeds. So he can get the best out of players, be them young or old. He's well-loved at Palace. He's not the future. But um, for now, I think he's, he's doing a good job. Yeah, I do wonder if the whether it's and of course you'll speak to this better than I can whether it's a cultural thing with certain clubs kind of the nature and and the the identity of Crystal Palace is very much of a counter-attack especially in the Premier League over the last decade like counter-attacking team some really good attackers who can hurt a majority of Premier League defenses but that kind of is the identity or it's maybe just the reality the very harsh brutal reality of finances within the Premier League I know Steve Parrish has given extensive interviews about this in terms of it's very difficult to try and go to that next level um, as much as he's, you know, as much as there's good infrastructure around the club. You know, it's, it's, I think it's a, it's a curious one because I appreciated what Vieira was doing. Um, but I guess it's always that panic moment, isn't there, where you think, are we actually just going in reverse here? And are we actually falling into kind of a nice philosophy, but results aren't going to go anywhere? And financially, we're going to be left in a very bad situation so so as a fan is is that something that maybe 
Palace fans are having to come to terms with of that maybe harsh reality, despite kind of the the hope of more progressive football in the future. Yeah, it's a fair point. I think it depends on what fans you talk to. I think younger fans who have only known Palace in the Premier League um, are itching for us to to do a Brighton, you know, to to bounce up the table and try and get into Europe. And and I understand that. And I think that's fair to think that when the context of your football supporting fandom is only Premier League, then that, that's fair to think that. I'm slightly older and I've watched Palace get relegated many times and go into administration twice, nearly out of business. So for me, the context really is firstly great to have a club, secondly just staying in the Premier League. Because for a team like Palace, staying in the Premier League, the financial rewards for that are huge and that can create a legacy down the line. They've already built this £20 million academy over the road from training ground, which is now starting to produce players like David Ozo, who came off the bench against uh, City and against Brighton and played very well in both games. Um, And they're looking at redoing the main stand, which was built in 1924. So it's long overdue an upgrade. And that in itself will generate, almost makes Selhurst sort of self-sufficient. So these are the legacies really of, of teams like us in the Premier League. Our legacy isn't really trophies. Leicester ruined that seven years ago, whenever it was, because no team like us will ever do that again, because the big clubs all responded as, as expected. So our legacy really is players coming through that we then sell on for lots of money, a nicer stadium we can be proud of, Staying in the Premier League, this is, this is the best ever run we've ever had as a club in a hundred and, well, it depends on fans you talk to, it's either 112 years or 164 years, depending whether you think we're created in 1905 or 1861. And that, to be honest, is it for Palace? Yes, I look, we look at Brighton, and I'm not afraid to say that we're incredibly jealous of what Brighton are doing. And their recruitment's fantastic. They've got a brilliant manager, sort of manager we would want, a young, energetic, forward-thinking manager who clearly is good enough to be in the Premier League. They're in Europe. I, I mean, I would love to be, I mean, I couldn't afford it, but I'd love to be going to Marseille on a Thursday night and watching Palace all over Europe. I mean, it's what we all dream of. We, we did, we had two games in the Intertoto Cup in 1998, and that was it. We lost both 2-0. Never even scored a goal in Europe. So, you know, it can be done, but it was also the flip side of that is Brighton are bankrolled by a, you know, a billionaire who I think has, has put uh, something like, a lot, a lot of that, I'm not a financial person, but a lot of that alone, his own assets against the club. You might want to take that out if I've got that wrong. I don't want to libel him. But the point being, this guy's got a lot, a lot of money. And it's difficult for, for clubs like us, unless you're going to be bought out by an oil baron, which, 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 you know, brings its own moral dilemmas. I know Newcastle fans are wrestling with that. Then then really you are kind of stuck in that, in that um, purgatory. But I'm happy in the purgatory, to be honest, at the moment. And I'd rather be there than than down in the hell that is the championship. Yeah, and and you know, talking about some of those good players that have been developed. I mean, uh, even though he didn't come through your academy, you know, Chelsea were seemingly it felt like close to signing Michael Elise um, in the summer, a player who I've enjoyed watching from his time at Reading and then seeing how he's developed at Crystal Palace, keeping him. I, I mean, at least for one more season, of course, was really impressive. I know he signed that long term deal. What what are your opinions on him? Because it's it kind of feels like a lot of people talk about now. Of course, Zaha's moved on. For years and years, it was like, what's going to happen to Palace when Zaha leaves? But now you've it seems like the transition has been pretty smooth because now you've got Eze, you've invested in in recent years, and now of course Michael Elise. These are two very exciting young players who feel like they very much can take up that that responsibility and also hopefully raise a lot of funds in transfer fees. I'm sure in the coming years. 
Absolutely, and, and that's why clubs like us need to, to I don't say tie these players down, I don't mean that, reward them with these mm. big contracts so that we can secure release clauses that, that make it worth our well. I think Elise, I think Elise and Eze are probably two of the most talented players I've ever seen at Crystal Palace. They're, they're, some of the things they can do on the ball are absolutely unreal, and they're both an absolute joy to watch. And really, as fans, we know under Roy it's going to be more defensive, but you go to be entertained, and we've missed both through injury this season, but when they have been there, I mean, as, as they at home to Everton in the first half, one of the best performances we've seen in the Palace shirt. And Elise just has these sparks. And even away at Luton a few weeks ago, we were, we were, we weren't that bad. We were, we were pretty sort of uh, blunt going forward, but Elise scores goal of the season. I mean, we lose two one, so everyone's going to forget about it, but an under- unbelievable individual goal, taking it almost from his own half and bending it in the top corner. So these are the things that those players can do. Um, and really, down the years of Palace, you don't see many players like that. To be honest, I can probably count on on one hand. Attilio Lombardo was excellent. Matt Janssen was great. They both weren't there very long. Both Eze and Elise have outlasted those players already. And I wouldn't be surprised if we, if at least one of them goes at the end of the year. We've, we've got other players like Gehi as well, who I know we'll come on to. And we are lucky at the moment to have a really good crop of young players. And I think actually, going back to Wilf, I think he has helped with that. And his legacy really at Palace, it's not just all the goals he scored and the appearances, top appearance maker in the Premier League, top top goal scorer. It's the fact that he has proven that as a younger player, you can stay at a team like Palace or go to a team like Palace, be paid pretty well. The TV money means that now we can pay these players way more than we used to. Be internationally recognised by your country, as Eze has recently. Elise is on the cusp of the France squad. Um, and be recognised in the Premier League as a, as a top, top player without having to maybe move on quite so quickly. I expect they both will eventually move on. And I think they'll both be fantastic. Um, but I think, in a way, that's Wolf's legacy, that you can stay at Palace. And hopefully the young players coming through the academy, it's an indication to them that they, you, know, you don't have to stay one year at Palace. You can do two, three, four years, really become a quality Premier League player then move on for 50, 60 million pounds. You get the move when you're ready. And you know, Wilf moved to May United at 20, clearly wasn't ready. And then Palace get the, the funds for it. So hopefully it all works out for us. Um, but yeah, I mean, as a, sorry, at least a signing that deal and not joining Chelsea was a real twist. We did not see that coming. The only person that knew about that, well, only two people, was Steve Parrish and Michael Elise. So we all expected him to go to Chelsea. Um, and that was a real coup for us. And I think a real nice moment that, yeah, we can hang on to these players. He will go at some point, probably to Chelsea or to Man City, mm. maybe even in the summer. But, you know, for us, an extra five minutes of these players is, is worth the entrance fee alone. Yeah, and given Chelsea's problems, I sometimes do wonder um, if players are actually better off not being at Chelsea and staying at clubs where they've probably got a healthier environment. You know, and I, I think that that's, maybe the case even if it is for a year or two I, I do agree that those players look destined to to move to higher levels but I, I absolutely think there is a value in with the finances you have now to, to keep those players to develop them to get them to a stage where just for their own careers they're mature enough that they don't get then get lost in this like sea of chaos if you move to a Man United or Chelsea you know um, that, that we see from so many players so that's I think a relevant point I want to sort of close up by talking about two players who Chelsea and Palace links. Um, let's start with Conor Gallagher, because, uh, of course, he had such a wonderful loan um, spell at, at Crystal Palace. And um, 
just watching him that season with all really in terms of just seeing how he developed in other loans at Swansea and Charlton obviously through the through the academy at Cobham but then to see this player very much become this attacking midfielder this goal scoring midfielder for Palace I mean how and it's quite relevant to Chelsea fans at the moment because we're very scared that Chelsea are going to do another stupid thing and, and try and sell him in January how good was Conor Gallagher for you watching him as as a Palace fan I did see those rumours of him leaving in January and my heart skipped a beat. I was like, no, like, come on, please, please, that'd be so good. It won't happen. It won't happen. I think he'll probably stay. Um, he, you know, he, as you say, he was a good example of the loan system really working for everyone involved because we had a fantastic season. Um, he developed fantastically and then Chelsea ends up getting a much, much better player as a result. And and actually, yeah, we all wanted to and thought maybe a chance, but clearly we never did. And going in, Seeing him go back to Chelsea and become captain actually makes us quite proud a little bit, to be honest, that we helped in that in some way. He was unbelievable for us. Um, and Vieira was very clever in that he built the midfield around him that, that summer. Um, and all the energy from our team all stemmed from him. And he lifted other players around him. And it meant the likes of Eze could really... Um, could really find the space and, and, and develop as well. So even players like James MacArthur, who was in midfield with, who, who was in his 30s then, and people were thinking, oh, he'll, uh, he'll get phased out. He became a better player from playing alongside Gallagher. He was a joy to watch. On a personal note, he was in my fantasy team, and I've rarely had the moments where you watch a player score a goal for your club in front of you and at the same time only fantasy points. That is, I've, I have many times throughout the season, and that was beautiful. It hasn't happened since. He was great. Seemed like a lovely kid. Seemed to really blend into the, into the team. Obviously, mates with Mark Gahey's, it was lovely watching them do all their bits to camera on the Palace TV. It, it felt like a really wholesome time to be a Palace fan, and, and he was part of that. Um, and it's not the first time we've fallen in love with a lone player from a, from a fellow London club. We had Ruben Loftus-Cheek a few years before, and we fell in love with him. He was fantastic. And obviously, he's doing, you know, again, good to see him doing well. I know it's not at Chelsea, I know it's at Milan, but... It's nice to see, you know, a British lad doing well abroad and by all accounts, he's doing very well. And even going back further, we had Ashley Cole on loan back in 1999, even before he played for Arsenal. And even at 18, he was our best player in the championship. And we fell in love with him again. And all these players, we thought, have we got a chance of getting them? You know, if we tease them with a bid, I think back in 99 or 2000, we offered Arsenal a million pounds at the end of that season. And they said, uh, well, we'll hold off. And a year later, Barcelona offered £50 million and they still turned that down. So we obviously had no chance. We never did with Ruben or Connor as well. But again, that's, you know, going back to what I was saying earlier, that's part of the role of clubs like Crystal Palace. And if we can help develop these players, we get a great season with a great Premier League quality player. And that helps us in general stay in the, in the league, helps develop a player. And who knows, maybe down there at some point, Connor comes back when he's a bit older, we'd, we'd welcome him back with open arms. But... Yeah, he was. I can't. I can't overestimate or overstate. Sorry, how good he was for us. And the same goes for Ruben Loftus-Cheek. They both joined us at the exact right time in their development, in our development as a club, and we really got to see the best of them. And I wish them both mm. the best. Yeah, I mean, Connor. Other than Cole Palmer, Connor has been Chelsea's best player so far this season. Um, and there is outrage. I'll tell you that from Chelsea fans at the idea of letting him go because. Um, it, you know, it, it, when when we saw him on loan, I was like, they better not try and sell him the next summer because you just saw the talent was there. And that's why the loan system, I say, I think it would have been probably more gutting for a Palace fan if Connor had come back 
and then just be used as like a really fringe squad player that never gets time, you know. And, and I think the fact that he's likely starting because Pochettino sees him in, as that key player and he's got the captain's armband, you know, it shows that that development actually meant something. That loan actually meant something rather than just being, oh, he'll go there for a year and then we'll bring him back and we won't play him. So when, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, and I'm definitely keen to talk about Mark because I love him as well. But when um, the loan system is interesting because when players go on loan and do well, really the odds of them signing are then going to be minimal because the parent clubs can look at that and think, well, brilliant, we can either bring him back or play him or we can sell him on to someone bigger for loads of money. You almost want your player to come to on loan and be okay, <laughs> but you can see a bit in there. And that's rare. And, you know, most of the time when that happens and the, the player doesn't flourish on loan, then parent club think, well, he's not worth it. And the other club thinks not worth keeping. So it's really tricky, really. You're rarely going to get a chance when a player shines on loan and then the other club gets to sign him. But yeah, it is what it is. I'm glad he's doing well. I'm really, really glad. In terms of uh, Mark Gohey, I mean, this was a player at the time in, in that summer of 2021 that I was very disappointed Chelsea sold because um, I'd watched him on loan at Swansea. I think he was one of the standout players in the championship that year. Um, and seeing how Chelsea's defence has had some problems in recent years, I, I look at Gohey and think what could have been really in terms of, of a real talent and Chelsea having to spend more money on that position. In terms of him, because it was... I think it was such a testament to Chelsea's academy, actually, that we have so many players who can just step into a Premier League defence and so easily and comfortably become a regular starter. It, it seemed like within weeks, Gurhey was just like established at Crystal Palace and that was it. I mean, was it a little bit surprising or did you, when when you signed Mark Gurhey, did you expect, OK, you're buying a Chelsea academy player, there's clearly a good talent here? I don't think anyone really ever expects a player to to settle really quickly overnight because it is the Premier League and you know as we know it's incredibly difficult but you could tell straight away with him that he had quality the biggest surprise as you said was that Chelsea let him go to be honest because he's well, he was Premier League quality the day he walked in the door with us and not just that but his whole everything about him his aura the way he talks the way he looks after himself is a very mature young man I think he was wearing the captain's armband quite quickly for us as well and that wasn't a surprise either um he's a he's got real captain's material he just he just talks so well even recently there was a game recently i think it was one of the nil nils against forest or fulham and he came out after the game and one of the 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 you know, reporters said well that you know that was good defensive display and he said no i wasn't i wasn't good enough i, I could have done better and you never hear players talking like that it, it's really refreshing actually and again that makes you think yeah there's a, there's an old head on young shoulders here and it, it's unsurprising that he's i think he's vice captain at the moment to to joel ward um yeah that was a real that was honestly very shocking that chelsea let him go unsurprising that within about a year or so he's linked with a like 60 million pound move back to chelsea which feels very chelsea when it comes to recruitment. Um, and he probably, I'd say, out of all the players we've discussed today, is probably most likely to leave, I think, in the summer, given that his profile has massively rocketed with those England performances and almost almost seems to have got himself as a regular into Southgate's first choice 11, um, which I think is testament, again, to how, how good he is. He's loved at Palace. I think we knew, along with Eze and Elise, that he, he, he will be here for a short time and move on. Here for a good time, not a long time, I guess. It's probably a good way to describe these players. But we love him a lot. He's 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 a great guy, a uh, great player. And again, like the other two, a real privilege to watch him play. And I think actually alongside Anderson, there's a lot of Palace fans, and I think I include myself in that, that I think these two are probably our best ever centre-back partnership. So again, we're, you know, it might not be the most glamorous time at the moment with, with Roy Hodgson mm. football, but we are, we're lucky to be living through this time with some very, very good players in our, in our team. And Gay is definitely one of them. Absolutely. 
Just finally um, about this specific game, um, uh, Chelsea actually have been doing slightly better at Stamford Bridge in recent weeks um, compared to our awful track record at that ground over the past year. But the the interesting tactical thing for me is Chelsea really struggle against low blocks and we were able to get through it against Sheffield United because they didn't really have anything to offer in the final third. But we know Crystal Palace absolutely can. And as we saw against Man City, even when 2-0 down in the second half, there's still something to 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 hurt a big team. Um, what would you make of this game? Because this is not, you know, it's not the Chelsea of like 10 years ago. This is much more of an even game. And maybe there's that confidence now that after recent results, Palace can, can do something at Stamford Bridge. Yeah, I think the City result will have definitely help with that. I mean, the biggest shock in the City result was that the first goal came from Jeffrey Schlupp to Mateta. Two players I don't think anyone would have thought would be involved in a goal at Man City. Um, I think you're right, it'll be a low block. It'll be Jordan Ayew playing out, out wide for his defensive um, abilities. At least they probably on the other side who has worked hard on defensive. But they'll be told to be a 4-5-1 going into a 4-3-3 in possession. And we will yeah, be looking to counter. Um, hopefully Edward's back because Mateta offers basically nothing um although edward doesn't seem to have much confidence so better player less confidence uh, if they could merge the two in some sort of uh the fly sort of machine then you'd have a good decent striker but if there's a starts i think we'll be we'll be more confident in attack um i can't see it being high scoring i think it'll be quite tight and quite nervy i think it'd be one way or the other i think someone like cole palmer will probably be the difference he's been fantastic this season and is in my fantasy team so that gives me a dilemma uh for the game morally but uh if it was one all if it was two one chelsea i wouldn't be too surprised i think we'll be in the game roy's tactics always stay in the game as long as possible and you never know and that was borne out with the city result recently so we rarely get turned over and i don't expect us to be uh, at stanford bridge but i i don't think we'll come out all guns blazing i think as you say it'll be a low block looking to hit on the counter, give it to Eze, give it to Elise, see what they can do, hope for a moment of magic, like Elise did away at Luton, uh, and stay in the game. Although, having said that, it will inev- inevitably be a Conor Gallagher last-minute winner or something. Yeah. Wouldn't it? Of course it will. Like it was at Sellers a couple of years ago. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, thank you so much, uh, Jim, for taking the time uh, to come on the show today. As I do with all my guests, just a chance for you to shout out where people can find your work and, and the podcast uh, online. Thank you very much, mate. It's been an absolute joy. Absolute joy talking to you. So thank you very much. Uh, yes, so I do the Palace podcast called Five Year Plan or FYP podcast. If you Google that, you'll find it on all the platforms. And then I also I also do uh, comedy football bits, songs and skits and sketches at Jim Daily Comedy on any platform as well. So do check that out if you need a little bit of a light relief, which I know Chelsea fans maybe do yeah. sometimes. So there you go. <laughs> we, at the current time, we're, we're looking for all the joy we can get, mate. So <laughs> absolutely. Uh, thank you so much uh, for watching, for listening. You can follow me across socials at Son of Chelsea and I will see you again very soon. All the best. Sports Social Podcast Network.